Welcome to the Caspian Podcast, the podcast of the Caspian Post with me, Mark Elliott. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Caspian Podcast with me, Mark Elliott. Today, Ramin Jabali, he's a researcher and uh, from the University of Washington and several other places and a teacher as well. And he looks particularly at social movements and identity. He's born in Iran from a Azerbaijani Turkic family, but he was forced to leave. What made you leave, Ramin? <laughs> Hi, Mark. Uh, thanks for having me. So, uh, yeah, I left the country because of engaging in ethnic rights movements. So defending Azerbaijanis and other non-Persian ethnicities rights through yeah, different activities in Iran. So uh, there is- For example, is ethnic- what, I mean, what sort of things can they not do? <laughs> Oh, sure. So uh, there is ethnic discrimination in Iran against non-Persians because the the country built and the the country's nationalism is an exclusive nationalism. So uh, and non-Persian ethnicities are uh, have been discriminated because of their identity. So their language have been their language have been banned in schools. So, for instance, one of my uh, activity was actually teaching Azerbaijani language uh, to Azerbaijanis in different locations of the country. So that was a crime in Iran. But, but, it still well, is a crime in Iran. I mean, that, that seems a little bit odd. Okay, so, but there's like something like 30 million uh, Turkic speakers, right? Yes, in, in but Iran. there is no single school in Azerbaijani Turkish in Iran. Not a single school. but And, and so... You, how, in, in, tell us how you were teaching, what, what sort of, you know, were you teaching in homes, in school? You can't teach in schools. Is that what you're saying? Uh, so, yes. So people are interested in learning their own mother language. So they, they, they know well that there is a discrimination in the country because of their identity. But still, they, they would learn their uh, mother language. They would learn how to read and how to write their mother language. So hmm. that's why they try to somehow form groups and uh, learn from those who know the language. So in their homes. So that is that's the. Uh, but it's still, it's a crime to hold those classes. Now, so, so that's is this this is because everyone that I met in not everyone but a great number of people spoke. Um, Azerbaijani Turkish. So are we talking more about written language or about literary forms? What is it that you were particularly teaching on that is uh, against the rules? So I, I was teaching standard Azerbaijani Turkish. So in Latin uh, and also, yeah, standard Azerbaijani Turkish. So we have different accent and dialects of uh, yeah, Turkic language in the world. So Azerbaijani Turkish as its own standard uh, Azerbaijani form. So, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, and Azerbaijan is in northern side of the RS River and also the southern side when they uh, write uh, uh, poems, when they write, for instance, stories they they write or articles they write actually in standard Azerbaijani Turkish. So written Azerbaijani Turkish. And and you say that's in the Latin alphabet, a little bit like north of the border. So in Latin alphabet, also Arabic alphabet. So, but uh, in schools, Iranian schools, it's not possible to learn in none of these alphabets. Actually. 
Okay, so what we have then is a situation where people speak that language at home, but when they go to school and when they get jobs, they're expected to speak Persian. Is is that basically the situation? So if the if the cities are predominantly Azerbaijani populated, but if they move uh, to uh, central provinces where they live with Persians or other ethnicities or just Persian-dominated ethnicities, so uh, for yeah, so they, they the, the social condition or economic relations actually force them to speak just in Persian, even in school, even in at home, actually. So oh, I see. Because, I see. So, so what we're saying yeah. then is that, that um, the people who are have moved away from the traditionally uh, Turkic-speaking areas have sort of almost forced to give up their, their culture as uh, th- that would not be acceptable, and there's no way for them to, to, to have even voluntary lessons. Yeah, exactly. This is how assimilation works. So they they live in uh, Persian populated regions when they move, and be actually because of uh, economic discriminations against non-Persian uh, provinces. So, for instance, Erdebil, one of the Azerbaijani provinces in Iran, uh, has uh, yeah for a long time uh, the province uh, has the highest rate of immigration. And people left, uh, yeah, people left the province uh, and mostly lived in, yeah, mostly they have lived actually in uh, central parts of Iran, which Persian uh, people from Persian ethnicity actually are dominant ethnicities there. So mm. that's mostly because of the ethnic discrimination, because investments mostly are in central parts of Iran. So uh, and if they would find a job, so there is no chance of staying in their own cities for more people, for most people, actually. Right. Now, OK, if, I'm just trying to compare this to sort of other countries in the world. So, so I, I mean, for example, I know it, it's a very different example, but like in Indonesia, to, to get the country to come together, um, it's a country of many, many languages, as I understand Iran is. Um, but there they sort of created essentially a language now so it's not quite the same you know there's not it's not forcing the dominant language off but but to some extent people that don't know the area might just say well surely that's reasonable isn't it that that there's a national language and that people would be expected to learn it how is it different in iran from in, in other countries perhaps so in Iran, actually, it started from the mother nation states in yeah, 1925. Uh, so starting from Reza Khan and then Pahlavi dynasty. So, but continued after Islamic revolution too. So again, trying, so language actually was not important in the past as, uh, as it is in now. So because after modernization and uh, modern nation states, we have, yes, mass uh, universal education in uh, countries. So, for instance, until constitutional revolution, just 5% of Iranian population was, uh, were literate. So now more than, yeah, more than 90%. So because of universal, universal schooling, this is not comparable to many other countries because even in 19th century, for instance, if we take Switzerland, so more than 90%, uh, uh, yeah, around 90% of the population were literate. 
So mm. it's not comparable to Iran. So, so, but after, yeah, after, uh, yeah, 1925 in Iran, so the, the decision of uh, dynasty was promoting Iranian identity, but using just focusing on just Persian uh, ethnicities, uh, cultural heritage as an uh, authentic uh, culture, authentic language. And that mm. was uh, actually at the expense of other language. So discriminating against other language, forcing uh, forcing people even finding in schools if they talk in Azerbaijani Turkish. So even, even so, even to talk in your school in your yeah. own language, exactly. Outside, so it's not just a matter of going to the lesson and and having to do the lessons in that language. You you cannot even speak your own language in the school. So I'm talking about Pahlavi period. Okay. Now. So okay. and for instance, we we can read the. Famous novelist uh, Reza Barahani's uh, uh, Reza Barahani actually talked talked and also wrote about his own experience and how uh, yes how yeah he was forced to to speak just in Persian and also uh, yeah punished for punished for uh, punished for writing in Azerbaijani Turkish. So this is the experience of many millions of peoples in Iran. And has so, it got any? Has it got any better of in recent years, or is it still almost as bad as, as it was in the Pahlavi times? No, unfortunately. So this is the pet dependency we have there. So after Islamic Revolution, still the ethnic domination is there. So uh, we 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 had just. A political change in country. So the Islamic revolution was a political change, not a social revolution. So it's still the ethnic domination is there, is still affecting yeah, millions of peoples, almost half of the population in the country. So, so the, the, can, can I just in, in, a, in terms of a, a personal sense, not you personally, but like for 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 a t someone who decides to teach against the rules. I mean, do you get a fine? Do you, I mean, you said you know people will even have to leave the country. Well, how serious of a crime is it to to teach um, your mother tongue to other people? Yeah, it it, it is a crime. So it's even sometimes it, it's possible to teach uh, teach yeah Azerbaijani Turkish or other language in some NGOs too. But it's still the government can. Accused can somehow, uh, yeah, form, a, yeah, file in yeah, court for these groups because they may, for instance, say that you are forming a illegal group here. So students and the teacher could be uh, signed up forming illegal group if they want. <laughs> so this is this is the things that actually we we, we witnessed uh, uh, throughout these years. So. Yes, it's still it's still a crime. It's still yeah banned. Actually, the names. For instance, two days ago, the police, uh, police of Tehran, the capital of Iran, so announced that no store can use uh, Turkish means Azerbaijani Turkish there, uh, Kurdish, Lori or Northern means they by Northern mean they Galaki or uh, Talish or Mazani language uh, to name their stores. So this is just two, two days what, ago. You, you, 
does that mean that they can't use a phrase in those languages or they can't even use a name that has those connotations? They cannot use any Turkish name, for instance, to name their own store or their own factory, so in Tehran. All names should be in Persian. So uh, uh, that's not new. Even yeah, last year, uh, the, the, yeah, the, the Minister of Culture so said that all movies in Iran should have Persian name. But we know that even now, so the, uh, yeah, now there are Turkish names, Azerbaijani Turkish names uh, in, in Iranian cinemas. Mm. Uh, so, but it's still, it's still, yeah, it's still restrictions are there. Well, that's very interesting. Cause, I mean, we, we, we had an article very recently on, on our website about what appeared to be a somewhat of an improvement in the fact that cinema made in, in Azerbaijani Turkish was starting at least to, to be distributed in Iran. So has there been some sort of reversal of that or is, are you just saying that they have to be named in Persian? So this is actually a resistance against the mainstream cinema of Iran. So in the mainstream cinema of Iran, uh, in the case of Azerbaijanis, so the representation of Azerbaijani minority was uh, yeah, people with yeah, lower intelligence, with thick accent. Uh, yeah. And then we have this resistance of Azerbaijani cinema, independent Azerbaijani cinema in Iran. So now they have... Yeah, they have movies in Azerbaijani, Turkish, but again, they are not allowed to name, uh, uh, yeah, to name their movies sometimes. For instance, uh, now we have a movie called Deri, means skin, uh, in Azerbaijani, Turkish, but if you see the posters there, so that, it's called Pust, so the Persian translation of, that, uh, of the Deri or Iskin. So we so have, that, even we have, though even though it's it's actually um, spoken yeah. in Azerbaijani Turk. Exactly. So the movie is Azerbaijani Turkish, but if you see the posters, that called even skin, even in English, uh, you can see that skin post, but no name of the actual name. So it's still there's a resistance. So and governments uh, Iranian government also has its own limitations actually to for if there was a chance to ban all Azerbaijani Turkish movies I'm sure they would do that too but they know that there was uh, resistance against that too I mean I'm just trying to work try to get to the mindset of, of why that would be the case I mean after all I would have thought that the uh, the, the regime is under fire from outside a great deal. Surely it would have been, it would be a good time to sort of embrace and try and encourage the population to be a little bit uh, closer to, to the center. Is, what, what's your thinking on why, why they would want to enforce this kind of rule? Yeah, so the, the problem is that they, they need to change their own mindset. So, so it's not possible to have... So uh, an inter-ethnic solidarity by just yeah, favoring one ethnic group mm -hmm. against other ethnic groups. So they, they still think that it's still possible to promote one identity and to unify all the peoples under the umbrella of yeah, Iranian, Persian identity. It's not possible. And that's Even just, yeah. In, yeah, yeah. It's in this age, this, this is the age of 
identity-oriented social movements. So we can see in, yeah, actually starting from a few decades ago, so we, in around the world, we see the rise of these movements, so identity-oriented movements moving from mostly the class-based movement to identity-oriented movements, so civil rights movements and other mm. feminist movements and ethnic rights movements. So uh, I think that the, the, the policy has failed, So, but it's still they persist to use the same uh, mechanism in Iran. Now, I've got a couple of questions um, arising from, from past podcasts I've done um, where, where people have had a slightly different view. But one, one quote I have here, Azerbaijanis are not in as bad a situation in Iran as other minorities. They're not oppressed and they're represented, represented at all levels of government. Um, that was one, one of the, our speakers on another podcast. How would you respond to that? So uh, Azerbaijanis and all other, even when we compare Azer, just Azerbaijanis to Azerbaijanis, Azerba- Azerbaijani who lives in Tabriz or Tehran compared to Azerbaijanis uh, who live in, uh, for instance, uh, uh, rural region of Erdabil. So they, they have different situation too. So. Mm. Why comparing Azerbaijanis to other non-Persian ethnicities, compare Azerbaijanis to Persians? So because they all are citizens of Iran. And also uh, when we talk about uh, structural inequalities in Iran, when we talk about institutionalized racism, uh, it wouldn't be a serious discussion to say that some Azerbaijanis are in uh, yeah, in state or they somehow have some positions because we are talking about social problems there. We are talking about uh, social issues uh, which impact actually other lives of Azerbaijanis and many other yeah, ethnic groups. So uh, if we compare, for instance, the same issue to people, to other countries, so in Rwanda, Rwanda more than 60% of legislators are women. So still there are discriminations against women. So in, in, in the United States, so Barack Obama was a black president, but still there was discriminations against black people. In Soviet Union, again, so... Yeah, it's a very Joseph, fair point. Joseph yes. yeah, <laughs> Stalin was uh, yeah, Georgian, but we know the suppression against uh, uh, Georgian people by Stalin. So it's not a, yeah, I think it's a very and, good argument. And, and one other that uh, Alex Vatanka gave us was a, a curious idea, which I, I, seemed a little odd at the time, but um, that it would be possible in certain circumstances, well, possibly, it, it wasn't necessarily the case, but that it might be possible for, um, that if Azerbaijan, the Republic, north of the, the Aras River, um, seriously displaced uh, Iran, that it might be possible for the Iranian regime to mobilize uh, millions of Azerbaijani Turks of Iranian nationality against the regime in Baku. Um, I think people in Baku would think the, it might be the other way around. But uh, do, do you think that's even realistic? Uh, is, and, and what sort of reaction would you have to that? Uh, you know, indeed, Iran has tried this for years. But uh, it, uh, this plan actually has failed because of, uh, I think, a single issue, because there was no social base of Iran, strong social base of Iran in the Republic of Azerbaijan. 
So Iran tried to use Shia identity to mobilize some groups, but did, that didn't actually go didn't didn't actually go beyond just the village, the Nardaran village in the Republic of Azerbaijan. So there is no social base, uh, religious social base in the Republic of Azerbaijan because the Republic of Azerbaijan is one of the least religious countries in the world, even less religious than many uh, European countries. So how it's possible to do that? Also, when we talk about Azerbaijanis in Iran, so we are talking about aggrieved population there because of the discrimination they experience, because of their language, economic discriminations. So uh, that, that, that's why, so that, that's why even in the second Karabakh war, we witnessed protests in support of Republic of Azerbaijan, even not in Azerbaijani uh, provinces, even in Tehran, we, we, we had protests of Azerbaijanis against uh, Iranian, Iran's policy, uh, yeah, Iran's policy of yeah, Azerbaijan and Armenia there. So, uh, so the, I think the main issue is the lack of social base. Iran uh, has no social base for mobilizing Azerbaijanis there against the Azerbaijani government, but yeah. because of the discriminations in Iran against Azerbaijanis, so yeah, they, they formed a yeah, salient Azerbaijani identity inside Iran, which is, I sense. think, politically relevant. Yeah. And finally, let's just move to uh, environments. Now, I've read a couple of things that you've written about water. Um, uh, you, you, now we know that the Lake uh, Urmia or Urumia, depending how you spell it, on the I guess one's Azerbaijani and one is Persian. But it's I mean it's fa fascinating to me particularly because I, I I went across that when I was writing the Lonely Planet Guide to Iran back in uh, 2007 um, before they'd finished the uh, the causeway. Now I know that there's some senses in which people believe that the diversion of the rivers that flow into that lake. Um, which I understood were just because the people of Tabriz needed more drinking water. But th there's some suggestion that some of these um, movements of water in other parts of um, Iran as well are politically motivated in some way. Uh, is this a conspiracy theory? Do you believe there's any truth in this? And, and what should we know about these issues? So the water shortage is an yeah, important problem in Iran and would impact social movements in different regions of the country. So we had recently protests in Isfahan, so Persian-dominated provinces. So before that, we had a yeah, protest in uh, Alahvaz region, the, uh, or Khuzestan province, yeah, Arab-populated region. So few years ago, we had protests in Azerbaijani uh, provinces in Iran. So. So we can see water shortage in, yeah, in regions with different ethnic background. But there, there, uh, so there, there is a problem of mismanagement in the country, of course. So, so uh, based, yeah, according to experts, actually, the, the, the impact of climate change is not as much important as, for instance, mismanagement there. But what is this mismanagement? So mismanagement is, 
for instance, in the case of Isfahan, so we, we, we know that the Isfahan and central provinces, there are yeah, less water there, but it's still, we see that all industrial, many industrial investments are there. For instance, in the case of Isfahan, uh, investments are there. So in different industries, in the case of Semnan and Yazd, we have the same situation. And we have the diversion of water, uh, which goes to uh, Khuzestan province, Arab populated regions to uh, central provinces. That's why, so they, they experienced, non-Persian ethnicities experienced their uh, the discriminations. So they are also primed to interpret new grievances, the water shortage with the previous grievances. So if, if they experience this issue and they uh, discriminate, they, they interpret as a way uh, of ethnic, as a, as a form of ethnic discrimination, of course, that will impact so their uh, political behavior too. So in the case of uh, uh, central provinces, we saw that people, Persian, people from Persian ethnic background, they were against each, each other because uh, because so the, the water of one province goes to other province both are Persian in the case of Azerbaijanis we didn't have this the problem because as I said so that the, the context here is ethnic discrimination Azerbaijanis from Tabriz Urmia Erdebil they protested all against the central government because they believe that central government, uh, didn't take any action because we know that the the, uh, the, the water shortage and the problem of Urmia Lake, uh, Lake Urmia is even more important because of the south there. We, we may have yeah, southeast storms affecting, uh, around, yeah, affecting around 15 million people. Yeah, so, so if, if it becomes like another Aral Sea and you end up with the, the dust bowl effect, yes, I, I can understand. Exactly. That. Exactly, exactly. We also see that actually there's another tendency because of the water shortage that is bringing non-Persian ethnicities together because, because of their interpretation of the water. So a few months ago when Arabs protested in uh, south-west uh, of the country, so in north-west of the country in solidarity with Arabs, Azerbaijanis protested too. So that, that means that actually uh, this water shortage will impact uh, yeah, politics and social movements in the future. So, so I'm, I'm always looking for something optimistic to end with. Do you think like if um, international sanctions against Iran were to, to end and um, so the, the government had much more uh, availability of funds, that that would then allow... Um, much better management of uh, ecological resources and might you know, quickly help to cure some of the actual problems that then lead to these um, grievances being seen as ethnically based? Or um, is, there, is there a hope for that? <laughs> yeah, I, I hope, I, I wish I had a reason for being uh, actually hopeful, but unfortunately, yeah, in the past, we, we saw that when Iran yeah, had yeah, more funds, yeah, the country, the, 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 the government spent for, yeah, for groups 
outside the country. So somehow, yeah, fighting against uh, interests of other countries in the region, in uh, Middle Eastern countries, even in Near Eastern countries and Central Asia, Azerbaijan, Georgia. So we, we see that the, the fundings uh, mostly, uh, yeah, yeah, mostly go to other, uh, yeah, other groups, not the people that may impact, but not actually meaningful impact. That's how it's perceived anyway. So, yeah. so the perception is that the money doesn't actually flow back into the country, even when more funds are available. Oh, yeah, that, that will increase the activism of Iran in region, not yeah, inside country because of the uh, ideological yeah, background there. And also, if they will have money still because of the ethnic discrimination, probably they will invest more in, yeah, in non-Persian, uh, not non-Persian populated regions, but in Persian populated regions, probably. Well, I, I, I do hope that, his, that, that the future will prove you wrong and that... that... Um, the, the, the generosity will reign. But uh, um, in the I meantime, I would just like to thank you so much, Remy. And that's been a very, very interesting um, uh, background for me to understand what's going on um, from your perspective in, in these parts of Iran and, and the, the issues involved. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Caspian podcast with Ramin Jabrali and uh, Mark Elliott. Thank you very much. And I hope we'll um, meet again on another podcast very soon. Mm-hmm.